The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to Influencer Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to do a deep dive into one of the most impactful and cost-effective ways to drive growth, influencer outreach. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that covers how you can target, reach, create, and market influencer-related content. Joining us for Influencer Week is Dmitry Dragliev, who's the founder of JustReachOut.io. JustReachOut is a SaaS tool used by more than 4,000 businesses, including Airbnb, HubSpot, Leadpages, even Nickelodeon. And it helps you pitch relevant bloggers, influencers, and journalists to get exposure through press coverage without the help of a PR firm. Outside of his work on Just Reach Out, Dimitri also runs the PR That Converts Coaching Program, which has helped over 500 entrepreneurs get publicity and go from hundreds to thousands of visitors in just a few months. Dimitri has a wealth of information related to influencer outreach and public relations, and we're super excited to have him here as our guest. So far this week on Influencer Week, we've covered how to create your influencer targeting list and how to build relationships with influencers. And today, we're going to talk about building marketable assets with influencers. Here's the third installment of Influencer Week with Dmitry Dragliev from JustReachOut.io. Dmitry, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We've reached the halfway point of Influencer Week, so I appreciate you sticking with us. As I mentioned in our intro, so far we talked about building your target influencer list, building a relationship with the people that you're doing outreach to. Once you actually have a relationship built with a journalist, with an influencer, what's the strategy for making sure that you build content that's compelling to both your and their audience? Actually, a good example is I just was in the process of writing a Forbes article and somebody else was the lead writer and I was helping them out. And when they published the article, they made points. They said, you should have marketing personas. And this is one of the five biggest mistakes that companies make. And there was no examples of marketing personas because the article is only 800 words and that's the format. So I went ahead and said, well, wait a minute, I can create examples of marketing personas, how they look like and have people actually click through and check them out. 
And maybe this would actually make this article much more actionable because when somebody reads that they need to create marketing personas and the importance of it, naturally, these people probably want to see how to do it. So finding these gaps is really the best way to think about what kind of content you want to create that would improve that piece of content that's already been published out there. So that's where I typically like to start my research. So you mentioned a couple different things there that you, A, are working with the journalist to write the article. And a lot of the times, I don't get the sense that a lot of journalists really want to work with their subject. They want to write the article and publish it and have the freedom to say whatever they want and not be corrected. How often do you have the opportunity to sit down and write with someone? And how often are you telling a journalist that you've built a relationship with, you know, here are some of the things that you're doing, which they can write about? You're correct. In this case, in this example, it probably is not 100% accurate to most people who are just starting out or even have relationships with journalists. Maybe you have 10 or 20 back and forth with them. Generally, a journalist isn't going to say, all right, let's write an article together. That's their whole job. They write articles on their own. But when you're corresponding, you get a sense of this person. You get a sense of the types of things they love to see. And that's where you can start creating some of these things for them. And this is how we grew Polar from nothing to 40 million page views and got acquired by Google. When we started this thing, it was just a polling app. Like you just run an online poll about anything. And it was really silly and it looked really nice. And I didn't know what to do with this thing in terms of marketing. And I quickly found that there's a lot of people covering a lot of breaking, crazy news type of stuff in tech. So I started running polls on every single thing people were covering in tech, whether it was like Snapchat being acquired. I was going to poll people what they thought about that or iOS 6 versus iOS 7. I would run a poll on who likes this or that or Xbox versus PS4. I ran all these polls and then I would reach out to these journalists and say, well, if you're writing about this, I actually have some data around what people prefer and what they really love. And this asset worked really well with what they were writing about because the stuff that they've published didn't have time to go around and go and create a whole study poll and promote it and get people to answer it and get all the questions together. But they love the data, right? The data makes their article a lot more impressive and gets people to stay on the article a little longer, perhaps. So little by little, we started creating widgets for letting journalists embed these polls inside their articles. And that's where the whole company took off. And then we got acquired by Google. But I use that strategy going forward as these days, I don't create polls for everything, but I still am very much tuned in into the types of articles the journalists putting out over and over and over again. And what kind of data would be useful for that journalist in the future, or maybe quotes or something like that. So what I'm hearing is that giving the journalist or the influencer the underlying information they need to write the article is a great way to make sure that you're building in resonance, to make sure that the article is as rich as possible and allows you to control the narrative a little bit because you're handing them what they're going to write about. You also mentioned that you want to build in a call to action. 
there's always the conflict with PR where a journalist is writing an article and they're going to put their own spin or their own opinion on the value of a product or a service. And you probably won't see it until the article's already up and running. You want them to use links to point to your website. Ideally, you maybe have an offer that you're including. Is there a way that you've found to work with journalists to make sure that they are building in some sort of call to action that helps you get more value out of the content that they're producing? Yeah, the call to action is a tricky part because you don't want to sound too markety. And even if they add that call to action, you actually want that call to action to be click because a lot of people think, oh, I got my, my little description in this article. It's going to work. No, not really. A lot of times I say, when you're thinking about what that call to action would be in the article, think about how relevant it is to the rest of the article and try to make it a must have. So in SEO, people are crazy hungry for links. And these days, I always say this, and most SEOs disagree with me and they will kill me over this. It's the clickability of the link that really matters. It doesn't matter how many links you have. All that matters is this link going to get clicks. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's a do not follow or follow link. This link is going to not get any, give any juice to you because it's not getting any clicks. So I always think, is there a defensible case for this link to exist there? And how important is it for it to be there? Say the journalist puts it in, it gets published, the editor turns around and says, Dimitri, I'm throwing this thing out. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go to court with you for it. We're going to court. Do I have a defensible case to present in front of the jury that this link should be in this article? It has a purpose and it needs to be there. Otherwise, the article falls apart. I always think of that when I think of my call to action. And I always think of how is it going to serve the reader? The issue that I have is that's not necessarily under your control. You're depending on somebody else to craft the message for you, and it's their decision whether to put that link in. So how are you working with journalists to try to ensure that they are putting something that is driving value back to your property? My guess is there is no clear answer of like, if you give them a link that is formatted this way, they will 100% of the time include it. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? 
Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. What are the ways that you've incented or tried to nudge journalists to include links or offers or just drive value to your site? So A, I guess write a whole lot. I don't actually like try and get journalists to write what I want. I guess write myself and I add the links in wherever I want, however I want. And so I have full control over it. And all I do is I work to get a guest spot somewhere or I write as the journalists themselves. Like after a while, I have these relationships where I just write under their profile. That's how I was able to publish over 1,400 articles in the last nine years with my eight writers that write with me. That's exactly it. I guessed right. So I have full control. You lose control as to where they place the link if they're writing the article. In terms of hinting, I usually provide descriptions, like basically do the job for them. I'll write four paragraphs or three paragraphs for them and just send that whole thing in to them. When I respond to Hero, for example, or those press opportunities on Just Reach Out, I'll go and just write the whole thing, like the intro before my answer, the intro after the answer to the query. I'll write the whole thing for them. And I just hope and pray that whatever I write is in the same context as what they've written. So it gets included in the article exactly the same. But honestly, you don't have any control over it at all. A good friend of mine, Josh, does this for a living. And he's so good. He answers core questions and gets those questions republished as articles in like Fortune and Forbes and Inc. and Fast Company. And that's his whole business. And he is very good at formatting it in the right way that the editors at all these publications love it. And then it gets republished right away, like exactly word for word the way he writes it. He's really good at it. Hmm. You mentioned Harrow. What is Harrow? Harrow is Help a Reporter. It's a free service started by Peter Shankman. It's very easy to use. You sign up as a source and then you list which industries or each expertise you have. And you start getting every day, three to four emails. It's a newsletter. Tells you, here's a journalist. They're looking for X type of expert. If you qualify, boom, you can respond and you'll get featured in that. And it's usually very timely. It's like the deadline is in two days and they want somebody to chat with about whatever it may be. Interesting. Okay. So it's a way for you to be someone that's quoted in an article, help a reporter out. Harrow. Yeah. Got it. Any other tips and advice for making sure that you're building the most valuable content when you're talking to a reporter? You mentioned guest writing. You're actually just writing the content. You're doing the research for them. Any other tips for making sure that the articles you're producing with influencers has the most value? I think a lot of times... It's creating something that journalists would write ahead of time. Basically, you become so much in tune with their beat, with their interests, that you can pretty much predict the next headline they might be interested in. And it'll take some practice for you. But that's where you're striving to get to. Because when you get there... That's the spot when the journalist or an influencer, or if you're a contributor, it's really good to work with contributors, by the way, because contributors, they're kind of like you, but you don't have the spot at, say, like Fortune, but they got the spot five years ago and they're a little burned out. 
because they have their full-time job and they have this contributor spot and the publication tells them, hey, you better keep contributing really good content. But the person is like, listen, I can't, I have this business to run. So it's back and forth. So they're really good ones to start conversations with. So what I was saying is it's really good to create a relationship where you get a person's topic so well that you can email a contributor and say, hey, listen, you haven't published for three months. And I see that you've been publishing around this and that. I have an outline for this article I've been dying to write, and this is what it is. You mind if I just write it and send it your way? I don't really care if it gets published under your name. I just haven't seen anything from you in a while. And that kind of thing might be a good strategy if you build up a relationship there. So reaching out not just to the journalists that are full-time journalists, but contributors specifically where they have other jobs other than writing is another good hack to try to get your articles published and be able to control the narrative. Yeah. Or find out how the submission process works. So get an intro to the editor. Those are the people that will know exactly who the editor is, their email address, their contact info. You want to write for Entrepreneur Mag? Start hitting up all the contributors because all the contributors have a direct access to that editor who controls guest contributions. Interesting. Okay. I think that's a great advice. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Dmitry Dragliev from JustReachOut.io for joining us. If you'd like more of Dmitry's tips to building a great influencer strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we'll be discussing how you can market your influencer content. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Dimitri and his business, you can go to justreachout.io or you can click the link in our show notes to his bio. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, click the link in our show notes, which goes to a contact us page, or you can reach out on Twitter or on LinkedIn. Company handle is Ben J. Shap LLC, and my personal handle is Ben J. Shap. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of Influencer Week, we've got some great episodes lined up over the next few weeks. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.